What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of A Little More Good. It's so good to have you with us. I'm Dean, joined as always by my pal Zach. Zach, what's up? We're just uh, enjoying the sunshine. We kind of had a crazy, crazy week of snow yeah. blizzards and sunshine and rain and all sorts of things. We and had the sun all. is shining through on us as we speak. So it's a beautiful day. All is good. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. I was uh, I was up very early this morning, earlier than usual. Started my day, and you know what I really realized is like the hours between kind of like uh, five a.m. and seven are magic. Like you can do a lot in those hours. And I was like, how did these two hours feel so much longer than two hours in the middle of the day, which yes. kind of feel like they go by in a blink. So yeah. I, yeah, that's, that's funny. I find that too at night. Like I often will work at night or, or just do things for myself at night once everyone's asleep. And I do find, yeah, you know, those late hours can kind of slow down a little bit. More. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. The bookends of the day. The bookends. You're you're a night owl though. I can't I can't do it. Oh, I always just wake up to your your texts. Like bloodshot <laughs> eyes and it's not healthy. Dude. Who do we talk about your sleep pattern with? Who was it? Was that Mandy Gill? Man, Mandy. That's right. I was like, was it Steph Corker? No, it was Mandy that yeah. you talked about your sleep. I gotta get back. If Mandy's listening to this, she's check in with check in with my guy Zach with <laughs> <laughs> his sleep. I'm slipping, Mandy. <laughs> healthy habits. Mandy Gill. Check out her pod yes. if you have it. Yes. So, who do we have on this week Dana? today? Oh, this this podcast. I'm so excited. It, it was uh, I hadn't I hadn't met this this guest in particular before, and so admittedly, I was like not really sure. You know, okay, where how is this conversation going to unfold? What's you know what's our angle going to be? And it was so great, such a refreshing kind of like a lighthearted and inspirational conversation that uh, took me. A little bit by surprise and i just remember being like wow this is such an awesome dude and that person is steve thorpe so if you're in vancouver you might be familiar with some of the work that uh, steve has been behind uh, vancouver urban winery and wine on tap in and around the city and of course part of that is postmark uh, brewery um, you may you may have frequented those things or enjoyed a beverage or two from from that and seen the kind of creative pursuit and entering into a market in a way that was kind of unique and different um, and he's doing the same thing again but not with beverages what's he doing now zach it's got before wellness it's a, a before self-care a new uh, toothpaste brand that's, uh, you know, I don't want to spoil it because we dive deep and, and uh, into his why and his how and just how incredible this toothpaste is. But it's truly incredible it's, to get to the spoiler. It's like I love, uh, you know, I liked brushing my teeth before I knew I had to do it. But now I love brushing my teeth. It's like just the the mintiness, the, the flavors, just like... It's the spa experience, you know, a little, yeah. it's a little self-love that I didn't know uh, I wasn't getting from the other guys, you know? It's true. It's true. And, you know, there's two things I think that uh, I've noticed since since Steve generously gave us some to try. Um, my nine-year-old loves it. She uses it every day for her that's her new that's her new routine she loves the mintiness of it see my kids are still young enough that the mint is like shocking oh yeah you know it's no, like she's into it she loves it it's so great and the other thing is like when you look at the product and we talk about this on the on the podcast but when you look at it it's very beautifully designed and um 
it passed the test of like, you know, when company was coming over and all the, th- all the bathroom things that kind of get tucked uh, underneath the counter, I, I, I noticed that it was left on top of the counter. Yes. I was like, that's because it's a beautiful product. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's kind of like uh, Aesop or something like that. You know how like if you got the Aesop soap, like you're kind of, you're proud that you got that out. Yeah. You want people to use that soap and feel good. Yeah. It's the same with b- before self-care. Totally. And just as an aside, sometimes uh, in the past, I've tried tooth toothpastes that are like, you know, more natural or uh, a lot of attention to detail in terms of like what goes into it. And I found that they didn't always leave me as satisfied with the cleanliness and the feeling of like, yes, my teeth are clean and like feeling brighter and whiter. And before Steve and his team have just like, they've crushed it. They've got it dialed in and we talk a little bit about that on the pod so but i just really uh, like un <laughs> unsponsored post whatever yes. it's just i love it i'm a big fan and i think you will really enjoy it if you're someone who likes having a nice minty fresh clean mouth all right not a sponsor as dean mentioned but we do have a little love from uh before self-care if you use the promo code before a l m g before a l m g uh when you go to before self-care uh, you'll get a little little hookup, a little discount on the price, courtesy of our good friend Steve. So throw that up in the checkout, and uh, you will not be disappointed. I Honestly, promise you that. Yeah, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. And this conversation, you will also love. Steve, uh, he, he's kind of a disruptor. He sees things from a different perspective. He enters into business with kind of a unique approach and uh it sparked it sparked a quote zach that um you know from a person that we both love and admire yeah so um here's a, a quote from yvonne schwenard uh founder of patagonia might have might have heard of them here we go he says the solution may be for a lot of the world's problems is to turn around and take a step whoops <laughs> edit the solution start, start may, with, sorry, um, to start with, uh, this is a quote from okay. Yvonne Schwenard. This is a quote from Yvonne Schwenard. The solution may be for a lot of the world's problems is to turn around and take a forward step. You can't just keep trying to make a flawed system work. And I think, um, I'll read it one more time. The solution may be for a lot of the world's problems is to turn around and take a forward step. You can't just keep trying to make a flawed system work. And I think uh, just reflecting on that, you know, Steve's doing that with toothpaste. And it might seem like, you know, toothpaste is just one part of our day, but everything compounds, you know. If we can bring more intention into the packaging that uh, we we use in our toothpaste and, and what the afterlife is, is for that, if we can bring more intention to the ingredients in our toothpaste and we can kind of ripple that out into other aspects of our life, you know, it's, it starts to become powerful. Yeah. Good decisions compound good decisions, right? They just make, it just makes more sense. So we start our day with a good decision. We make another one, go to the gym, you eat a healthier meal. You maybe drink some more water. Like you start with paying attention to these packages and the things that we always just take for granted. And if there's a better way, many of us, would like to choose the better way. And so Steve and the team, we have to thank for a better way to, to look after our smiles. Yeah, there we go. So before we, uh, before we turn it over to Steve and uh, hear all about before and his, his own story as a, as a young entrepreneur, a word from this week's sponsor. 
This week's podcast is brought to you by Athletic Greens. We love the AG1. We love it. Hook, line, and sinker. It is part of my routine, the daily ritual, the habit. You know, I've been on it for a few months, um, really noticing the the overall effect. Uh, I, I may have said before, but it bears repeating, like, I think my skin is better. Oof, I've always I've always had, like, I've never had, you know, to worry about skin, thankfully, in terms of, like, blemishes and stuff. But I just feel like, I feel like I look younger. Yes. <laughs> and the only thing really different that I'm doing is, like, taking this AG1. And one of the benefits is, you know, healthier inside, healthier outside. I was going to ask you if you changed up your skincare routine. But, uh, yeah, just... Glowing from the inside out, my friend. It must be. A good source of energy, 75 high-quality ingredients, minerals, vitamins, all the things that we need to just feel good on the inside. And it manifests to the outside. I think my like hair and nails are growing faster than they've ever grown before. More energy. Starting that day, starting my day with just uh, with the AG1 has been such a good part of my daily routine, knowing that it's, like we said before, one small good decision that creates room for more good decisions throughout the rest of my day. Yes, they say that uh, mood follows action, but I think mood also follows habit. And having this ritual to start my day always starts me off with the right foot forward. Uh, we call it the wake and shake in my house. Get a little AG1 get my AG1 athletic green water bottle and shake it up. And I know the benefit of my daily use is promoting gut health, supporting my immunity, boosting my energy and helping recovery when I'm trying to, you know, push myself and running and cycling and, and just, you know, being a dad. So I'm grateful for, for AG1. I know that my mood is all the better when I uh, start my day with some AG1. So how, how do, how do we get this in our life? Do you know? Well, let's go. You're going to want it. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash more good. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash more good to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. You're going to want to get after it, friends. It is one of the best parts of my day for sure. There we go. On to this week's episode. All right, here we go. Welcome back to another episode of A Little More Good. We're sitting here with our good friend Steve. Welcome to the podcast, Steve. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to, to dive into all sorts of direction in this conversation. I think it'll be inspiring for many. You've you've been a builder since you were a young. young man in, in the business sense builder and a creator and in many different um kind of faculties of of business different areas from from beer to toothpaste so uh, we're gonna get into it all but maybe we can kind of rewind it back um and kind of start with your entrepreneurial spirit started at a young age you know when most people are are figuring out what to do after high school you were kind of one foot into the water already so maybe we can kind of start there and we can go through through your journey from from then to now and all of the businesses in between and and dean and i will check in with some questions along the way well it's gonna be a fun journey right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's go way way back let's go way let's way back. take yeah, us it back. feels like forever ago but um yeah i had um the entrepreneurial spirit early early on and I credit all that to my parents. They were um, entrepreneurs in their own right. Uh, my dad's a geologist, and my parents had this business together. So when 
I was young, I would see them hustling and, you know, at the dinner table, mixing business with dinner and, you know, work and pleasure. And, you know, we'd want to go away for the weekend, but the car was away because my dad was at a job. And so there's all this balance, but seeing them be able to balance work and life together in like a harmonious way was really inspiring. And they were hustlers. They were, you know, building this business in Alberta and kind of the the boom, you know, when we were young. So yeah, just really watching them, I kind of really got the itch early. And I was like, wow, I, you know, I can do something like this one day, maybe in a different field, something I love, but it was inspiring. It's amazing how like my father was a uh, small business, had a small business as well, and how that really normalizes what's possible in those conversations and kind of self-expectations in a way. It's funny, my sister is a physiotherapist, and we're reflecting on this not that long ago, maybe five years ago, and, and for me it seemed like going into my own business was like a no-brainer because that's all I saw, you know? So I wanted to have a business. That's that's what was modeled. That's what seemed aspirational to myself. And then my sister, I was like, D-, like we're talking about opening her own physio clinic, and she's like, no, I'd never want to do that. And I was like, <laughs> why? And she's like, well, all I saw all the time was how stressed and busy dad right. was. And I was like, shit. There's also that side of it. I was it. just like, that's what you saw? Like, I never saw that side, you know? I never, obviously it was there, but I well, was... Well, you're seeing what you wanted to see. We're seeing what we want to see. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so funny how two people from the same household can see two different things, you know? Yeah. Because you have a sister as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and she's also in... Uh, she's also an entrepreneur. Yes. Yeah, she also has her own business. And I think we both saw the optimistic side. Yes. <laughs> We're both very positive, um, optimistic people. So yeah. we didn't get the same kind of clashing views that yeah. you're and your, you and your sister I had my that. blinders on to yeah. the bad things. And yeah. it was just being like, you know, dad gets to travel and gets to go for nice dinners right. and, you know... <laughs> All those expense cards. Yeah, write it off. <laughs> write it off. Yeah. Do you even know what a write off is? <laughs> yeah. Classic, so good. Yeah, I'm still figuring that out. Yeah, like I can't write this off. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's interesting how you know our parents in our community when we're young yeah. can be so formable and and showing us what's what's possible for us. Yeah, absolutely. And funny you you talked about that. And you know, I watched my parents go through some ups and downs. Yes. And I think, you know, for me, watching them come back up from the downs and really those challenges and working through them yes. was also equally inspiring to mm-hmm, me mm-hmm. Um, because there were a lot of them. So, yes, you know, I think I think that was also a big part of my building blocks was seeing like, OK, there are going to be challenges if this is the road ahead for me. But how do we how do we overcome those mm-hmm. and how do we use those to a to our strengths in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Was there a moment in time when, you know, we all go through like early high school, elementary school, whatever, and and oftentimes counselors or teachers or someone will pose us a question like, okay, like what what do you want to do? What do you want to be when you grow up? And it's that, you know, intimidating question to someone with the whole world before them, right? You could literally do and be anything. And there's that freedom to experiment and try. Was there a time when you could look back and be like, I knew at this point that I probably wasn't going to follow like a conventional get get a degree, get a job, you know, 
get the pension kind of thing versus like I'm going to explore and like pursue an entrepreneurial lifestyle. Was there a moment where you can pinpoint like I made that decision or I had that sense of like this was just always my path? Like mm. where did that kind of land for you? I don't know if I can pinpoint an exact conversation, but I know that, you know, my first kind of business was I was 14, 15 years old and my friends and I started uh, ski and snowboard wax and repair business nice. out of our small town that we grew up in in Alberta. And we put up flyers all over town and we like would tell everyone, get word of mouth marketing going. And after school, we used to go back to my buddy's basement, his parents' basement, and work on all these skis and snowboards that people would drop off. We had a little drop off and pick up area with like, you know, an honor system money box. Yeah. And I think that like, that coupled with, you know, watching my parents and just running that little kind of literally off the side of our school desk business yeah. for a couple of years was super inspiring to me because I was like, wow, we can, you know, make decisions and we can run this little business and earn some extra money. Yeah. You know, at the same time I was also working. I had a job, you know, I started refing hockey, I think when I was like 12 or 13 okay, yeah. and then I got my first legal t4 job when i was 14 and so i was also working real jobs yeah yeah and seeing like that lens as well and being like wow i really don't want to be like a cog in a wheel like i think i can do something much more important mm -hmm. and so i think it was just like an era of like like that age around 14 15 and just being very free and having the support of my parents with like the mindset and the discussion around the table of like you know, you can achieve whatever you want, you know, follow your passions. You know, my dad is a big believer in lifelong learning. So like constantly be schooling yourself, be mm -hmm. curious, learn, coupled with, yeah, follow the path that most inspires you. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's it's awesome. more of that era than it was a conversation. Yeah, no, that's true. That's usually <clears throat> how it goes, right? It's usually pattern over time. And then yeah. you look back and you're like, oh yeah, that was like me getting ready. Because there are some people, the story is like, you know, I worked this job and then one day I woke up and was like, what am I doing? I hate yes. what I'm doing. And then like did the switch. But growing up in the household where it's kind of organic, like it's around the table, like you said, you're just immersed in it. And it was a, a positive kind of atmosphere. And to know that you had the... You had all the opportunities in front of you to to explore it, right? Whether it was like waxing skis and snowboards or coming up with like what what would be eventually some of the businesses that you've created. Is, that's pretty cool. The freedom to explore is Absolutely. amazing. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that's like, you know, hopefully I can instill that in some children one day. Um, but yeah, having that like open dialogue and that freedom is yeah. huge to inspire people to follow that path. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, I love that. Um, I, I find that, um, you know, talking to a lot of friends and, and colleagues and stuff, just how many limiting beliefs are kind of pressed on us. So as a parent or as someone that has influence on younger people, if you can kind of change that perception and and kind of allow ourselves to define our own limits and, and know that, you know, they can be limitless if we can believe that to be true um what path that can create for us versus one that maybe um you know that career counselor might put on you or, or something like that mm -hmm. you know like right you're, you're gonna be a middle management or something like that if you <laughs> yeah. work really hard <laughs> yeah okay so i uh, graduated high school in alberta yes and you found yourself 
um, in BC soon after. Is that right? Yeah, two days out of high school. Oh my I, gosh, two days. I packed a U-Haul and, <laughs> and took off for the coast. Yeah. I had started um, visiting the West Coast with my dad fishing when I was young, young, like I think 10 years old, and fell in love with BC immediately. Loved it. We'd take multiple fishing trips up north, um, down south, all through the province. And so by the time I was you know, a teenager, I was set on moving to Vancouver and going to business school or starting something and but just getting myself physically to the coast where I knew like the next chapter of my life would be. So yeah, two days out of high school, packed a U-Haul, took off, said bye to everybody and arrived in Vancouver and actually had like that summer off, planned to be off and just explore Vancouver and kind of get to know the city. And then I was enrolled in Cap College that fall to start some business classes. Nice. I took them all at night. Um, I still remember like these small class sizes and, you know, meeting like, you know, our law professor ended up, you know, helping me incorporate some of my first companies because all the teachers at night were also professionals in their field and they oh. would teach part time. It was incredible. It was such a great learning atmosphere. So hands on, like 30 students to a class instead of hundreds. But I also needed to because I needed to work and, and uh, get a job during the day. So. Yeah, starting that fall, I, I started working and, and my path started. All right, let's let's hop on that <laughs> path. Let's hop on that path. So you you got to BC and, you know, we've got the mountains. We've got, uh, you know, snowboarding, skiing, like kind of endless, endless outdoor sports and adventure. And that was kind of one of the starting points for yourself, right? It absolutely was, yeah. I, um, I got a, you know, a part-time job at the boardroom on West 4th where I still have lots of friends and people you guys know and you know May Glovis and and Dixon and that whole crew yes um and back then like the West 4th like snowboards that was the scene was like pretty happening right it was incredible yeah it was electric and you know back then action sports let's call the new the new terminology it was you know on a rise yeah everybody wanted to be a part of it and all big brands wanted to access it and X Games was happening and it was a really exciting moment for all of those sports and yeah. all of those stores and brands and the whole industry as a whole. So I got a part-time job there because I wanted access into the industry and um, started kind of learning about the back end of the business. And it was about a year in to kind of working with that business and also going to business school that, that I decided that I wanted to start a sales and marketing agency on the back end of the industry. And through like just hustling and networking and meeting people, which I love to do and will continue to do my whole life, um, I landed a couple great brands right out of the gate and it kind of propelled my agency and really was a great jumping off point. And I spent the next seven years kind of in that market and building brands and selling brands and traveling and all sorts of things. So how we're kind of well, kind of hop all over the place. Um, But how have you seen? Okay, so at that time, snowboarding, action sports, like it was almost this like mixtape culture of like these DVDs, these VHSs with like amazing music, with kind of this like kind of punk rock Mm -hmm. culture aesthetic of these guys like changing kind of bring some skateboard punk rock mentality into mm-hmm. action sport or, or into snowboarding. 
how have you seen this is pre-social media so if you want to see these things you know you're getting the dvd you're watching with a bunch of buddies there was a screening at a somewhere like the boardroom or whatever so how have you seen marketing and storytelling change from from that time to now like it was much more of a guerrilla movement i'm curious because yeah in, in some ways i I imagine this world where we're not all attached to our our devices to tell our stories to to market. Wasn't that a beautiful place? So I know I know you lived there before. (laughs) Flyers around town. Once upon a time, waxed here, right? So, what did like marketing, storytelling, all of that look like when you first got into business? Yeah. This just reminded me of this visual I saw the other day, probably on social media, wherever (laughs) I wherever I got it, but it was. it was this visual of like this front lawn with a bunch of bikes and it was like the way you used to know where everybody was. Yeah. It was yeah. just a bunch of bikes on the front lawn. I loved it. Yeah, that's true. You know, you'd be like, oh, like, <laughs> Jordan's over at uh, Josh's house. There's his bike or whatever. And, exactly. and you could leave them in the front yard because... Yeah, no one's going to steal them. No one's going to steal them. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Storytelling and branding and marketing has just changed so much over such a short period of time. And also from like long format to short, format of like bite size whereas before we'd have the time to like sit down and tell stories and talk about brands and yeah you know doing education seminars where they were like you know you'd sit down with everybody for a long period of time now they're like bite size videos and just everything is just so kind of like quickly digested and tossed yeah. out and um i love that you were talking about screenings and like going to a certain physical location where everyone gathers to do something and then you get the networking effect and you get that positive energy that everybody gets to like sit in for a while which doesn't happen as much anymore yeah you know everything is just shared through social and everybody's kind of hiding somewhere and Mm -hmm. and you know digesting it that way which is interesting and you know finding ways you know back Back then, in over those seven years in that industry, we had to find so many creative ways to market products and to talk about them and tell the story. And so many different like grassroots guerrilla marketing efforts, which I think, you know, for me was incredible because I like to put my creative hat on and try and think of like really interesting ways to kind of promote brands or or talk about them. So, you know, I, I enjoy that that time in our lives yes. and, you know wish we could go back to it sometimes but nowadays it's just a different challenge to overcome yeah i'm hopeful that maybe there'll be some sort of happy medium that we return to uh, like i remember going i don't i think west beach or something like that watching snowboard films there and mm-hmm. like you know i still knew all the snowboarders and i knew which brands sponsored them and like you know the information got to the consumer in probably a more impactful way. Yes. Um, so I'm I'm curious if we can if we can return to a way where it's it's there's connection with the story that's beyond the digital space. But we'll we'll see. Dean and well, I toyed on it. Yeah. Like what would what would it look like to rebel against it and say, okay, I'm not going to use social media. Like how would you tell that story? You know, like how would you tell? your story for your brands now if you didn't have social media well there's something right in front of you that we're trying to do with which is a publication for before which we'll get to later on but yes this was us in our way of you know rebelling against kind of the norms and saying okay well let's 
let's print something that people can actually sit and it's tactile and it's got substance to it and it's got you know we put a lot of energy and care into it through the words and the images that people can sit and spend some time with Mm -hmm. put their phone down and you know this was our way of saying like this is something we want to commit to and do to help that slow self-care kind of model for before yeah which we will come back to. We'll get to. We'll will. put a pin in that one and come back. <laughs> we'll circle back. Yeah. <laughs> so with um, with the with the agency, the sales agency, uh, for those listening, you know, everyone's trying to sell their product, right? We're yeah. all in this rat race of 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 trying to get our product on the shelf or in the store or you know in in the consumer's hands, and it's it's kind of a competition of sales and way so for if someone's starting a brand and maybe mm-hmm. they're 18 and two days out of high school <laughs> and they're they're looking to to jump into that that lifestyle or, or take a chance and create a product do you have any sales tips that have mm-hmm. been helpful for yourself in, in getting products to whether it's businesses or consumers or any any kind of 101 that you can pass down to you know younger versions of yourself yeah, absolutely. I think for me, it was always um, really, really simple if you distill it down, which is know your product, know your competitors, know your buyers. Yes. So do your research. Like, you know, on and on, we, we learn nowadays about understanding data, being able to manipulate data to use for your business or to give you kind of an edge against people. Well, you know, you can digest so much information and data now. So if you're thinking about any sort of product in any market, dive as deep down the rabbit holes as you can to learn all about it and all about the competitors. Don't be shy, be open, ask questions, be curious. Um, The more information you learn about the product and maybe your competitors, the more it's going to set you up for success to build something in that category. So I think, you know, a lot of times nowadays people think just, you know, I can build a better mousetrap and it's easy and I can and build a beautiful brand, which are all part of it, but absolutely know your market and mm. your competitors. Um, if you're looking to sell something, know your buyers, like get in the stores, get on the ground, like go spend some time there, talk to people that are working within that business, ask them simple questions about how they are and how their day is open them up and then ask them about what's working what's not within their business within the product category be inquisitive so building those relationships but yeah ultimately you know selling is a relationship business Mm -hmm. market you know it's starting to turn so digital and so one-to-one and but it's um but it really comes down to relationships. And at the end of the day, a lot of times people are making these choices. So, you know, get to know the people and build that relationship. Yeah. Oh, that's so important. Like, a, yeah. Product, you know, you're, know who you're selling to and who's competing with, yes. who you're competing with. And, and those three things are kind of in some ways, like uh, maybe, maybe lessons distilled over uh, a few years of, of being in the game in various, yeah. in various ways. Um, you know, coming up as a young entrepreneur, obviously, uh, any of us can sit around here and recount like, you know, mistakes we've made or challenges we've faced. If you could like kind of survey back and be like, oh man, this was one of the biggest challenges like I had to face or overcome. And then like, what were some of the takeaways of that? And it maybe it ties into like the points you were talking about before, but lots of times we face a challenge 
in any creative endeavor or any pursuit mm-hmm. and, and that can almost um, stop us in our tracks depending on how big it is but like how have you persevered through some of the challenges and, and what were one or two of them that really like maybe shaped you in your focus and your purpose as an entrepreneur yeah later later in that um, chapter of my life we kind of high we uh migrated the sales agency into a marketing agency and we're doing a lot of work uh with promotional products and big brands we had a couple um a couple instances where we produced products overseas and they came out wrong Mm. for for customers and we had a couple circumstances where they these were like large po's and could have crippled the entire business and i think one of the things there that i really learned was how to think quick on our feet and how to adapt. And we had a couple products I remember that came in and were just like absolutely brutal. And we found other suppliers to either fix them or tweak them um, quick on our feet to get them to the supplier and get them to our client and make sure that the job was complete and it was done, even if it was at a loss for us. Because at the end of the day, I always valued our relationships with our clients as number one. Right. And I'd be willing to take a loss or a big hit in the business in order to maintain that relationship and the equity in it. So I think that was like, for me, learning that that would pay off and then continuing to do business with those clients was huge. So one of the biggest learning lessons, I think, was in that era for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. That's good. The the thinking on your feet and like encountering a problem and then being like, okay, like now what? And then just jumping into like solution-based yes. thinking. Yeah, that's huge. It's absolutely important. Yeah, it's such a big skill because I think uh, it's easy to get into fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah. But when you're when it's your own business, you got to, I don't know if there's another F there, but uh, you got you to gotta be quick on your feet. You got to be able to absolutely. adapt. You got to be able to make decisions. And even if they're not the right decisions, sometimes you just got to take action, you know? Yeah, I remember getting one of those calls once and I was, on the highway driving to I think like Cologne or something for an event and I literally got the call and had to pull over and was like oh my god turned around drove back to Vancouver got on a plane flew to Toronto started fixing the problem and it's like you know you just gotta think quick react you know use your gut yeah oh man your gut intuition is is such a powerful tool when used correctly never underestimate it yeah no doubt. Yeah, we've talked a lot about that before, like following your intuition and trusting trusting your gut, like that classic, almost cliche saying, but like there's a lot of truth to it. Like when you're kind of dialed in and you're focused on what you want to achieve, like when you know, you know. Absolutely. And to, and to practice, because I think it is a practice to practice trusting those instincts when there's high stakes involved. And then I guess when you see it pan out, more than once you're like okay okay i can trust myself i can trust those like in the moment reactions yeah, and it builds up that confidence for sure mm-hmm. but it it does take time yeah. it does take practice yeah. over and over for sure it is like it's vulnerable. a hard discipline yeah i think it puts you in a vulnerable state because like what your gut is telling you might be the opposite of what the people in the room might be saying we need to do Absolutely. or thinking we need to do and you're like no it's kind of like that brave but vulnerable leadership of saying no this is our move this is what we need to do Absolutely. I was listening to somebody, I can't remember who, maybe Mel Robbins or something like that on a podcast, and, and she was talking about how our brain can manipulate anything. So yeah. it, can, it can manipulate whatever agenda or outcome we want, but our gut can't do that. So 
that we we should get in the practice of trusting our gut because it's not trying to manipulate any situation. And our brain, brain's got the intellectual capacity to argue ourselves into whatever situation Absolutely. serves us. Especially yeah. with like the thousands of inputs that are coming into it at all yeah. times, right? You know, Dean, you talk about being around in a room where you're getting multiple points of feedback. Yeah. And being able to evaluate all of those, you know, your gut is really gonna check you yeah. and say, like, no, this is the right path. Yes. Whether you follow that or not. You'll know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a whole nother lesson when you're like, it damn is. it, like I should have just I should have trusted what I felt. And that's a that's a lesson too. Sometimes a harder one. Yes. But that's yeah, for sure. And I think <laughs> you, you pinned on to something because you know, when you talk about hindsight and you know, everybody likes to think about the crystal ball and should have done this or would have done that. I think a better way to think about it is what feeling did I have in that moment? Yeah. Trying to recap on that and analyze it, see what decision you made, whether it was the wrong one, the right one, and looking back and saying, okay, I had I had a gut feeling to go this direction. I went a different direction because of A, B, C inputs and they were valid, mm-hmm. um, but it didn't quite work out. What was your gut feeling in that time and why? And then trying to analyze that and think about that for the future and apply that to your next decision. And I think that's the real beauty of hindsight and but trying to evaluate it, not get stuck on the the outcome of what decision you, you made. Yeah, I think that's sound advice for any entrepreneur and also any human just yeah. existing, right? Like t- to evaluate, be thoughtful of that situation went well or not as well. Why? And the all important questions like, what did I feel? I love, mm-hmm. I love how you said that. What did I feel in that moment that when I feel that again, mm-hmm. I'll be alert to it and be like, oh yeah, last time I felt this and did the opposite, oh, didn't work out. Right. So to, to, that's, I guess, in one way, the practical step of like practicing, trusting that intuition, trusting your, trusting your gut, as we'd yeah. say. Yeah. And I feel like as an entrepreneur, we just, we, we repetitively go through this all the time. So I think for people who are just getting into starting a business or becoming a new entrepreneur, I think it's a, a practice that they have to go through multiple times to really start to hone in on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Practice. Yeah. Consistency. So, okay. Chapter one, sales and marketing, action sports, kind yeah. of transitioned more towards marketing Marketing in the end. Now, chapter two, you got into food and beverage. I did. Yeah. Yes. What a what a funny transition. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk through that. <laughs> Tell us about how you got into food and beverage, restaurants, alcohol, you know, the whole the whole gambit. Yeah, and that was a really fun chapter and still kind of lingering on now. Um, but really provided me with a massive toolbox to kind of enter this most recent chapter. But um, as we transitioned into a marketing agency, it was called the Antidote. I partnered up with a good friend of mine, Mike McQuiston, and we were traveling around the U.S. um, for a lot of our larger clients in our portfolio and just looking for something to invest in. We knew that running a marketing agency wasn't for us forever. We didn't love selling time and ideas. And so we were just kind of hustling around, checking out um, different ideas, and we stumbled across the technology of Wine on Tap in San Francisco and decided that that was going to be our next investment. Came back to Canada and dove headfirst in and started a brand called Fresh Tap. And we pioneered wine on tap. So if you're ever at a restaurant in Canada and see wine coming out of a tap, that's probably our technology behind it. 
and it was a really exciting time. It was you know right around 2010, the Olympics were happening. We were like really excited about this new venture, and um, we ended up finding a space down in Railtown that was five times the size that we needed, but we just absolutely loved it. So we bolted on a new, another concept onto the business plan, which was called Vancouver Urban Winery, which we believed that we could bring the winemaking kind of romance to a more urban setting, which we'd seen a couple of around the world, but nothing that we that was really exactly what we wanted to do. So we bolted on this concept, Vancouver Urban Winery and Fresh Tap, and launched the business in in 2011. And it was super exciting. I actually have this memory that <laughs> you might not even know that I was there for this memory. But uh, so we launched the, the juice truck in 2011 as well. So yes. similar time. And we, we parked the truck in Railtown. Uh, my dad's old business was in Railtown. So that was kind of our, our commissary parking space. And uh, I remember meeting Mike and he was like, come by for a tour. And uh, you guys were playing hockey in the uh, in the <laughs> urban winery space, so we. Um, that my, was how big it was. My first. I mean, it became obviously a huge success, but it was. I just loved that culture that you know you guys were putting. You were play was part of it, you know, like you were making space to to be silly and to keep it light and to have, you know, some playfulness in in this. You know, wine can kind of be a, a bougie category in here. Yeah. Here we're a bunch of guys playing, you know, some some stick and puck yeah. in between a bunch of wine barrels. So I that th- hockey net stayed around for a long time too. We'd always find a corner to kind of cram it into. Yeah, more tanks and we'd move it out of the way, and <laughs> more tanks, move it out of the way until finally one time I think Mike had to yeah. rip it out of there and it take it home. But ran out of space. <laughs> yeah, but play and you know, you know, in a descriptive form, have fun was always a huge core value yeah. of that business. And should be for all entrepreneurs. If you don't love what you're doing and having fun doing it and being able to play, be joyful, then don't do it. Yeah. You know, find something else to do. Life's way too short. So it was a big part of that business was yeah. to have fun. That's yeah. cool. And you guys did a lot of community building too. Like I, I remember in the initial years, Vancouver Urban Winery was kind of a hub for events and, and you know, things that were going on in Vancouver. Was that always like an intentional part of like a pillar for the business? Yeah, I think it wasn't um, it wasn't exactly written down at any time, but I think it was just inherent in who we were and yeah. how we were going to build that business was kind of create a little bit of a community hub through art, music, and of course we have sports background, so how do we kind of incorporate that a little bit? But definitely art and music was a big part of it. We had this cool space, so how could we like help young artists kind of get off the ground and do some art shows? I remember... Ola Volo's like one of her first shows there and you know we had this night called set list that we'd invite young musicians in to play and just get you know get a little buzz going around that and you know I remember there was a couple bands that kind of started out of that space and just different people meeting each other and yeah it just be kind of became that and became just one of our calling cards for for the space mm-hmm. and it was this like large space that for the first couple of years didn't we didn't have a lot of equipment in yet because we didn't have the cash flow and the business wasn't quite ready for it yet so we'd put on all these large events and we'd come up with really interesting ideas to bring community there you know one to get a bit of cash flow going through the business but two was just to get people through the door to to learn about what we were doing which was wine on tap and that was really like 
the educational part was like get the community in they see wine on tap they get to drink some great wine and all of a sudden they now know about it they know the benefits of it but they see it in this beautiful environment Mm -hmm. and just at you know putting those two together really helped yeah Creating creating a, a story behind it again, right? It's not just because you could just do it as a like outsource it, right? Have it go in different restaurants and not really the public wouldn't really know one way or another. Mm-hmm. But to kind of capitalize on the unique the uniqueness of what it is, and then again capitalize on that space and bringing people through and letting them see kind of it helps them be part of the story, which I think is really cool. And I mean, like probably a lot of people who are local here listening to this have memories of events or nights or celebrations in the space because it is beautiful and it's you know it's got the capacity to hold large groups or whatever it is or going listening to music and and also that it is this unique experience of it's not someone bringing a bottle of wine to the table right Mm -hmm. it's different yeah which is really cool yeah one thing i'm curious about where where do you think the uh your courage your gumption to (laughs) jump into new spaces so you know so clearly, so boldly, you know, to go from action sports to to wine to restaurants to now toothpaste, like they're they're all radically different spaces. Like where where does that courage, uh, that self belief to to jump into new categories that are not necessarily other than that you can take these business lessons that you've accumulated along the way. Like where does that that courage to go into new categories come from? That is such a great question. I don't even know if I have the complete answer for that. I think that, um, like I said before, I'm I'm a true optimist. I, I believe that anything can be achieved if you put your mind to it and you manifest it to become. So I think for me, it was a lot of it was just following at that point in my life was a passion. So you know, when we had the marketing agency and we saw this technology, we had a real passion for not necessarily maybe the wine and making the wine. I think that that kind of came later, but it was the technology to innovate and disrupt that category that was really the itch. It was like, wow, there's this like old marketplace of selling wine into a restaurant and drinking it by the glass by a bottle and it's very inefficient. Um, it's inefficient for the winemaker. It's inefficient for the restaurant. It's, you know, inefficient for the person drinking it because they get a low quality glass of wine half the time. And there's a lot of spoilage. And so we, I saw it as like this really interesting, innovative disruption to an old marketplace. And I really like get excited about that type of opportunity. I think my first chapter in action sports was literally following a passion. It was like, I love sport. I love the culture of it, the community. I love the the networking and just that environment. But I think my second chapter was kind of taking all of that passion, but then also seeing an opportunity to disrupt something. Mm. I loved it. And, you know, I like as much as I love building brands and building business, I also love the the tech side and like, you know, I'm a bit of a, uh, a handyman wrencher on the side. Like I loved fixing cars when I was young. I like wrenching on my motorbike, you know, so I, I also liked that there was a production aspect to this business and I wanted to like get my hands into it and learn like, hey, well, how do you actually put wine into a keg? 
and all the equipment involved in that and the and the tech side of it and the nuances i really loved that part Mm -hmm. and so for you know for the first part of the business mike and i had such a good yin and yang because i kind of like let him um and he moved more into like a marketing sales role and i kind of stepped into more the ops role and really built out a lot of the sops with our u.s partner and kind of built the site and like really got my hands dirty and i loved that part too because it stimulated a whole different part of my mind Hmm. i love that because i think it can become very paralyzing to see something and be like i want to be that and then come up with a laundry list of why you can't do it Mm -hmm. so i think there's two parallels um juxtapositions there's the people that become paralyzed by opportunity and then there's the people that just do you know, they're like, I can do this. There's the self-belief. Um, so I, I just uh, admire and encourage, you know, those listening to to follow the action and just start taking action versus real, the list of, of why not kind of fall into the list of, of why you can do this. And I think, uh, you know, you model this in, in a great way. So one just wanted to you know, give you that admiration um, and and just kind of bring language to it. Because when I talk to a lot of young people, they don't think they can start a wine company because they don't have a background in making wine yeah. or they don't right. have, a, you know, they haven't been to France or they haven't tried the great wines. Like, you know, there's a lot of reasons why maybe somebody else can do it better. But mm-hmm. I think you've shown that uh, why let somebody else do it when you know, there's opportunity for, for yourself or for everybody. Yeah, it's a great point. And I think it, it does come back a lot of it to self-belief too, right? And that, you know, stems back to all sorts of things. And, you know, hmm. if we can get into it later on, but as we get into, you know, before in the next chapter of life, you know, thinking about wellness and thinking about setting yourself up for success, there's a, there's a lot of that, right? So empowering yourself to be able to achieve something comes from a laundry list as well mm-hmm. of taking care of yourself and your mind. Yeah, yeah. So some could say it starts with the habit of brushing your teeth. Yes. <laughs> so, so why don't we, I mean, we can loop back into, um, you know, your past chapters, but you went on to open a brewery and multiple restaurants yes. in Vancouver and you yes. saw a lot of success and... Um, you know, pioneered more than just wine and, and and wine on tap in Vancouver. Yeah, absolutely. It was an incredible journey, fast paced as well. You know, over four years, five years, we um, yeah, we had the wine brand going and fresh tap. All of a sudden, we saw an opportunity as the craft brewery movement was happening in 2014, and knew that you know we had this space and you know what did we need? We needed a little bit of help in in the market, so. We brought on a friend, Nate. Um, Ruben, who was already a part of our business, was really in the back end too, kind of starting to build out Bellegarde and like our kitchen and restaurant aspect of the business. We're like, let's bring on a brewery. So we developed Postmark Brewing, which was really our attack, similar to actually before, was like, how do we bring a lifestyle and again, bring that community aspect and inspiration from different, all different walks of life into Mm -hmm. the craft beer movement you know make great beer but also let's build a great brand around it so that was a ton of fun it was an incredible brand to build and to be a part of and 
we started kind of migrating craft beer into like a whole different world as well, starting doing events with Lululemon and, and that crew. And, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun for sure. Yeah. Small, small uh, endeavors too, like um, the Rugby Sevens. Yes. <laughs> Rugby Sevens was a, was a great partnership. Yeah. And, and, you know, that, you know, they had a, they had kind of their cherry pick at what brands they wanted to involve into Rugby Sevens in Vancouver. And yeah. we were, you know, shortlisted to three and put this incredible pitch together about how, you know, they didn't need to go with one of the big brands. They could support a smaller, younger brand that would maybe give them more attention or do something more creative and more interesting. So, you know, I pass a lot of the credit on to them for having that insight to want yeah. to work with a smaller brand. But yeah, I think we did something really special. That's pretty cool. For sure. Yeah. I think yeah. we brought like, we brought kind of our community over to rugby sevens as well, which I was really proud of. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was a super fun event. So we kind of see that thread of disrupting and not being scared to go into like a mature space. Yeah. Make a splash with your own, make it your own identity, your own values, your own why. Um, so we kind of see this carry over to let's say chapter three. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we're sitting here holding this beautiful, beautifully branded, um i love aesthetics so like the the packaging is just a list um before before wellness before self-care um the newest uh toothpaste on on on, on the block yeah so tell us about before um i want to spend some time kind of unpacking this beautiful package yeah, yeah for sure yeah it's been an incredible journey already so, you know, you go back to these like life chapter changes and everybody has them no matter what, whether it's entrepreneur jumping from chapter to chapter, business to business, or somebody changing jobs or life moves, they're all timing. Everything is about timing in life. And I just found that um, I was kind of coming out of the hospitality industry and, and we, weren't, um, we weren't growing there. So for me, as somebody who loves to build brands and to build businesses and create, um, I needed a new challenge in my life. So kind of stepped aside a little bit um, from our group and just went back into like thinking creatively. And I always had this idea. I've had this idea for 10 plus years now to disrupt tooth toothpaste. That's amazing. <laughs> and think about it every morning. Do you remember a light bulb moment <laughs> where oh, you're like exact. just tired of Colgate or tired of like, you're like, God damn this packaging. <laughs> I... So I have like a little notes pad and I remember yeah. it was written in there and it was, man, it's way older than 10 years. I think it was like 2007, 2008, where yeah. I had like a little funny note and sketch about toothpaste. And, you know, it was literally just from seeing all these like big corporate monopoly brands in the space and nothing was beautiful, nothing was innovative, nothing was interesting. It was just this pharmaceutical product you use every day. And I thought, wouldn't that be just so funny to do <laughs> a beautiful, well-made toothpaste? And so I kind of threw it in my in my notes pad, and I kind of came back to it a few times over the years, but it just wasn't the right timing. And so finally I came to a point in my life where I was like, it's it was time for a switch, not only for a new chapter business-wise, but also for me personally. I wanted to get into a business that, fit my lifestyle a little bit better that kind of 
you know, fit my core values a little bit better. I wanted something not too geographically focused. I wanted to sell to a wider audience um, geographically. And I just loved the idea of getting more into the self-care wellness circle. So thus is before. Yeah. I love the name too. Like when I first, uh, you know, first heard you were doing this and saw the packaging, I love it's it's fun. It's playful. Like before you start your day, you brush your teeth. You know, before you go to bed, you brush your teeth. And yes. before you go on a date, you brush your teeth. Look you at know. this. this is Zach's hired, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not. Uh, I didn't come up with it, but it's smart. You know, yeah. like it's uh, it's got that kind of fun playfulness that uh, you've you've had in other your other brands, um, and it makes you stop and think twice because uh, it's memorable. Like. Uh, you know, other toothpaste brands. I don't know what the, like, what does Colgate mean? You know, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Crest. Crest. It means big business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they all have the corporate. Yeah. They have the little logo in the corner of like who actually owns it, which is like one of, right, two or three major corporations that yeah. have the corner market on so many products we use. Yes. And uh, the one thing that I, you know, in having this conversation and, and kind of looking ahead of time at some of the product and, thinking about it, it's like obviously these brands are interested in selling a product that works and cleans people's teeth and fights gingivitis and all the stuff that the ads have told us for years and years and years and yet that's kind of where that's like the baseline that's where it stops they're not interested in like caring for the environment going beyond leveling up your entire life and saying, hey, how, how can we be a wellness brand for you? It's like we have this one product that works. Don't question it. Like, here's how you use it. And it's kind of like utility. And going beyond that and saying, no, it, there's so much more to what this daily product can be and kind of seeing, again, like being a disruptor, seeing a gap or coming in as not a professional in the in- industry saying, how can we take this on in a different way that cares more about the person who we're selling the product to than just like this product is going to efficiently clean your teeth yes. as the bottom line. And so, I mean, when you stepped into this space, like obviously you shared that, mm-hmm. shared that note about like, Oh, wouldn't it be fun to do something like this? Like what was, what were those first moments where you're like, okay, I'm actually going to do this. I'm, we're going to start to create like <laughs> yeah. toothpaste and yeah. like market it in a different way. Like what were some of the kind of early conversations or, or feelings that yeah. you had in like kind of entering into this next arena of your of your life? Well, going back to like, you know, just put in the work, I just dove head first back into the industry and figured out, you know, why aren't those brands doing that? Why aren't they looking at this as much more than just a pharmaceutical product that does A and B for you? Right. Um and I did find that there were some smaller brands that were making some waves and really starting to like lift up kind of this other segment of the market, which was starting to produce, you know, maybe a little bit more innovative packaging or a better brand. And I thought, okay, there is an opening here. So the first step was, you know, understand the market and see if there was an opportunity that aligned with my gut vision. The next was, you know, get the team together. So one of my first meetings was with uh, one of the co-founders, Jamie Collins, and he's an incredible marketer, brand designer, and met with him because I knew that, you know, for this 
product to be successful. And one of our pillars was let's create something extremely beautiful that people are, are proud to put on their shelf and let's get the product from underneath the counter to on top of the counter yeah. and align with a lot of those other aspirational brands that are on the counter. And in order to do that, it's much more than just the beautiful product. It's all the other things we'll talk about and how you align that brand and those feelings back. But first is it needs to be a beautiful product. Mm -hmm. And I met with uh, Jamie and I, you know, we had, this is probably three and a half years ago now, we had lunch and I, I was like, listen, we've got to go for lunch. I want to, I want to toss this idea down your way because I think you'd be perfect to co-found this. And, um, you know, I gave him the, the quick pitch because it's not that long. It's let's build a better, more beautiful, more sustainable toothpaste that people want to use. And he was like, yes, I'm in. And he's like, I've actually been thinking about this as well and how bad toothpaste is. <laughs> And so he was in right from the start, and um, and the third co-founder Kevin Shaw, who's um, another friend of ours, um, is just a brilliant finance mind. I always told myself that in the third chapter, I would have a CFO mind as a co-founder in the business. I really wanted to make sure that we leveled up um, our ability to be capitalized and understand cash flow and mm -hmm. manage the business. So. Uh, the three of us just put our heads down and and said, okay, let's do this. So the first step was really, you know, build out the brand and the pillars and what we wanted to do. So with before, there's there's some heavy hitting pillars. Number one is, we just talked about, is the brand itself. Let's make it beautiful. Let's make it aspirational. Um, let's talk to people like, let's be part of that routine mm -hmm. and like setting themse themselves up for success. Um, let's speak that language. The next was let's build the best formula in toothpaste period. So let's clean it up, but let's make it incredible and let's make it work. So let's give people the confidence that it'll work the same as their Sensodyne. And then the next pillar, which ended up being the most challenging one was let's innovate the packaging into a more greener, more sustainable way, um, which is very difficult in toothpaste. Toothpaste yeah is notorious for being a product that's thrown into the landfill and will continue to until we start to innovate the packaging technology and using products that can be better for the environment but we also need to educate people on the sustainability and recycling side so we kind of put these three pillars together started brainstorming um, the name was really genius jamie had it and it just stuck from the beginning really because like zach said you know we wanted something that was for me, I love building brands. Like it goes back to things like Fresh Tap or Vancouver Urban Winery or Postmark. Um, they're all very easy to understand. They're easy to say. Um, they're easy to kind of own that word and then create. You know, it's almost like in a lot of brands, they end up being just the conduit into the world that the brand creates. So for this, before it was just so simple because it's just such an everyday word, but now we can attach so much meaning to it. So before your first date, yeah. you know, before you hit the wave in the morning, you know, before yoga, you yeah. know, whatever it is, yeah. um, we want to be part of that before mm. to set yourself up. So it just really like flowed and we ended up um, being able to um, kind of own the word through um, trademark registration and search there isn't a lot of brands using it so it kind of you know for us was like a big win so yeah nailing the word naming the brand nailing the brand really kind of like set us up and then the next step was okay formula packaging 
here we go. Yeah. And that was the last two years. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think that in, in many ways, like, you know, people listening, they can, they can just Google it. Um, beforecompany.com and, and take a look at the website and and the product as well or or through Instagram. I mean, it's just so beautifully curated and created. You guys nailed it on that sense. And I think it just speaks to like the intention behind it and like wanting to step in and kind of, yeah, like disrupt the market by saying we're not only going to care about what's inside the tube, but like to recognize that the life of our product doesn't end when you brush your teeth for the last time, like with the tube because you, you've run out but like it carries on because this this tube goes somewhere and it does something. And so by focusing on the packaging, um, I think you really have like tapped into part of the market that's totally missing. And I think consumers are becoming more and more aware of like the impact that our daily usage Absolutely. things have, whether it's like single use coffee cups or, you know, you get however many brushes out of your toothpaste tube and then it just goes in the landfill. And we all know those tubes are just like plastic and whatever, like, you know, metal on the inside or whatever it is, right? They're yeah, like you got it. hefty device or hefty um, packaging and we just toss it. And so, you know, you think about how many times you brush your teeth in the span of your life and how many tubes we've thrown away. So to, to level up not only the product inside, but in terms of like what it's carried in, I think is a huge step forward in recognizing there needs to be change and you guys are kind of pioneering um, that, that movement I think is huge. And like you have on your website, right? Self-care and earth aware. Mm -hmm. And like, maybe you can talk to like what that means to you and why that was important to build into not just a great product, but like what it comes in as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think for us from the start, we said we wouldn't launch the brand unless we could launch in a sustainable package solution. And we couldn't find it out the gate and we had to really like search and go down some rabbit holes to find it and to R&D it to make sure it would work and be um, compatible with our product and sh a shelf stable. So the product that we're using, it's a plant-based plastic, which is important, the terminology, and it's made of sugarcane. So um, just from the production standpoint, it provides about a 50% reduction in carbon emissions wow. from production. But then you imagine you've got this tube now, um, it's a singular material, so there's no aluminum layer on the inside, which is really important because multi-material products basically cannot be recycled. Right. They're very hard to recycle to the um, to the point where it's almost impossible. So all those big brands that use tubes that hold shape, which, yeah, might be a little bit easier to get the last bit of product out of the tube, um, they're not recyclable. So they're all ended up in the landfill. So we went back to single material, which is really, really important in all products to be able to be recycled and um, made of plants, so it's an organic material. So yes, you know, if people aren't recycling this properly, it might end up in landfills, which is horrible, and we need to educate people on the down cycle, but it is an organic material, which is great. Mm -hmm. But the more important part, and I think the biggest opportunity for us and for a lot of brands is on educating people on how to properly recycle products and hopefully, as we were having the conversation before, innovation on the recycling side starts to come full circle here yeah. so that we can really start to amp up recycling efforts so that these tubes and all products can be made into the same products over and over and over again. Because it can be done. Mm -hmm. It's just that we're so far behind on the innovation and technology on the on the down cycle side. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of a, a unique opportunity for a business because you think you know, you're out there to to sell product and 
to be profitable, of course, but also within that to care for the planet that we're part of. And, you know, you talk about like disrupting the toothpaste industry, but also there's that opportunity to disrupt or educate even at like a governmental level to say, listen, like educating people to recycle you know, their cans and whatever, like, is great, but that's not the end point. Like, what about all of these new products and compostable materials and things that are being created? We have the technology to create these products, and yet, you know, maybe some of our municipalities and stuff are are behind the eight ball in terms of keeping up with what to actually be able to do with this. Yeah. So it's interesting that, like, you know, s- simply saying, oh, by, by brushing your teeth and having this product, like, you can start to make changes on, like, a municipal civic and even nationwide level to say this these products are out there we need to be able to like recycle them properly because they're able to be recycled and like how it just seems like a cool opportunity that maybe is like a side benefit of like what you guys have created yeah like the, to influence policy absolutely which is huge when you think about it. nobody starts a toothpaste brand to influence <laughs> policy but no. it could happen right it could be it could, it could be a beautiful like offshoot of what you've what you've created that could be one of the dominoes that really affects change right yeah at the end of the at the end of the day it's like consumers have a ton of power yes in that so not that they need you know all the responsibility on their shoulders because i think we've seen that that's failed over the last 50 years of this like we need government and we need industry to change but for us you know being you know product and earth focused is really like at the core of who we are mm-hmm. is our values. You know, we all grew up in the Pacific Northwest in in the outdoors. You know, we you know, we we feel like we're stewards of the environment in our own way and trying to do our part. So launching a brand and being in sustainable packaging, um, having a one percent attached to the company that gives back to um environmental and sustainable causes, um, I think is hugely important for not only us, but I think for any young company that's starting nowadays i think you know to have to have that mixed into the business is vitally important yeah um and also consumers are looking for it so you know from from a business position you know young consumers are looking for products that are more sustainable it's known it's out there all the data is there around it yeah so you know live that truly live it um attach it to your brand yes it's gonna cost more and that's again one of the big issues in the corporate world right now yeah is that these materials do cost more um but you know the more volume and the more energy and the more investment that is put into them um again the cost will come down and larger players are going to be able to adapt and move into the the material you know for us being in this sugarcane um plant plastic tube um is costly to us for sure and so the big brands aren't going to spend the money to be in that tube but by us you know investing our capital into buying those tubes hopefully the volume comes up the costs come down and it becomes a commodity that can be traded and some of these bigger players maybe have to spend a little bit more but spending two three x more a lot of times on innovation is too costly for them right and their corporate greed is too high yeah (laughs) yeah um 
maybe just in keeping on on this on this chapter this phase of of life and and kind of looking back over you know from from the days of like working at the boardroom and being like here's an opportunity for me to like kind of get get some understanding on the back end and start my own thing and of course with with um uh, vancouver urban winery and postmark and those ventures um how would you say your lens for success in business has changed over, you know, from your first days as an entrepreneur, kind of speaking on like profit and growing a business and success? Like how, how do you think it's changed or, or has it kind of remained consistent for you? Like you've always known this is what it means to be successful or is it, do you sense a pivot or a shift towards like a new value on success? That's a really great question. I think, um, you know, when you're young, I think it's, you're trying to kind of make a name for yourself or, or prove to yourself or your family or your friends that you can do it. So a lot of it is on those achievements and those milestones and kind of checking them off, being like, wow, I was able to build something. It was mildly successful in whatever measure that was, but it's really about like being able to say to yourself and your close people around you, like, wow, I did it. And you build up that confidence. And I think, Success for me, a lot of it was in confidence and just understanding that, hey, I can do that. Um, whatever metrics were associated to that and KPIs, I think those are just really goalposts to kind of get your way through and check off. Um, you know, for me, I want to be able to, yeah, live a comfortable life um, and see success financially. But for me, really, it was about being happy and healthy and surrounding myself with incredible people. And how do I achieve that? Well, I do that by building incredible brands that are magnetic, that bring amazing people to them. That's the, one of the ways I did it. It was building kind of a community hub um, that brought amazing people there and, and the energy associated to that. And that was really, I think, the big success points for me was just creating that that community and that network. Yeah. For this project and before, I think a big um, success me metric for us is going to be on the sustainable side, and it's going to be on kind of pushing a new narrative around that and disrupting a market with not only an incredible product, but talking about how it can be more sustainable. And I think that that, in my gut, that conversation and that lens is going to lead us to some really interesting places in the next five, ten years. No doubt. Um, and we'd love to be a part of that. I think, you know, you look at your self-care routines and there's still a lot of products that can be innovated. And there's a lot of sustainability chatter within that industry that we'd love to be a part of. So we'll see what happens. Very cool. One thing I really appreciate on the self-care side, you know, when I was a, a young lad <laughs> brushing my teeth, was kind of presented as a chore, you know? Yes. Like you go to the dentist and you get a treat, you get a reward for, for going to the dentist. And it was like, you got to brush your teeth. You know, the language is right here before bed, you know? But it was it was a chore. It was something that you had to do. Whereas how it's presented here uh, through the packaging, through the language, it's it's self-care for yourself. It's a moment to, to have to yourself while you br brush your teeth. It's... It's, um, you know, it's a spa-like experience. Um, when I was describing it to a friend, I was like, yeah, it's like a spa in your mouth. But it is, it is kind of changing that um, relationship with brushing your teeth to one that you have to do, to one that is uh, 
you know, a pause or a break or a time for yourself to to take a moment before the rest of the day starts. So I love that shift. And I've it's so funny just through the language and the packaging. Like I've noticed that for myself. Like I'm brushing my teeth for just a little bit longer, you know, like because the mintiness is just so good. <laughs> bit, a bit of a plug for you guys. Um, love it. But, it, but it's, you know, I'm speaking genuinely from the heart here. Um, it's cool. And it makes me think, okay, what other practices, if this can inspire something going from a chore to self-care, what other practices in our lives can have that kind of reframing? So um, it's cool. I just I want to that. applaud that. And right at the top, we're calling it purifying toothpaste. Mm-hmm. And we love that word because, you know, it, it really talks about the experience of it, mm-hmm. which you know, I love what you just talked about, you know, turning a chore, turning a product from something you have to do into something you want to do. Yeah. And it's something that, that is like, has a really beautiful experience attached to it. A lot of that comes back to the formulation of the product, which mm-hmm. Zach, you hinted at, you know, it was, it took us two years to formulate this product and we were relentless to get to a position that checked off all of our boxes, um, which was flavor and rinsability and foaming and just the absolute pleasure of it, um, of the experience in your mouth. And it was really difficult to get to with clean ingredients because as we know, there's a lot of synthetic materials and a lot of the larger brand products that we use that make it do those things for you. You know, synthetic flavoring agents that like pinpoint the flavor that they want or synthetic foaming agents, which make it foam automatically. Um, And what we wanted to do is really distill that down and put clean alternatives in and pull those synthetic elements out. Mm -hmm. And to do that poses a lot of challenges with creating the same experience. And I think we've achieved something that actually creates a better experience, a better foaming, a better taste, better rinsability, um, just an overall better experience using clean ingredients, which is super key. And I think is obviously very top of mind for a lot of categories within wellness and within self-care and it's been happening for you know a decade now it's just in toothpaste these you know big brands have still owned the category and a lot of people it's funny i have this conversation all the time and i pose the question and i ask people what toothpaste do you use and i kind of put them on the spot and a lot of people answer like oh man i don't know and they probably come back most often and say like one of the big brands, Crest, Colgate, Sensodyne, and they haven't really thought about that part of their routine yet. Mm-hmm. You know, they've gone through the changes in their skincare, maybe in their shampoo conditioner, maybe in their deodorant, maybe in lots of different products, but they haven't quite got to toothpaste yet. It's still this mundane purchase yes. that they just have always done and they haven't really questioned the ingredients yet they haven't really questioned the packaging they haven't really questioned anything until a brand like before comes along and throws this product in front of them and they go oh man well what was the product i was using and what are the ingredients in it and what kind of harm the environment is it doing and you know blah 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 the packaging i love just i love retail products and i'm really observant and i love going into a grocery store and just looking at all the products and seeing what stands out and and why it stands out to me. And the toothpaste section is almost comical. 
like uh, yeah. you know, prior to before, of course. But it's all just kind of like they all say the same thing, like more white, more sensitive, more this, more that, like twenty five percent more this, <laughs> and it's kind of like loud, like nineties much music branding that has never really evolved. Um, kind of looking at the space, so we've got this kind of mature but stagnant space, and we've used the word disruptor a few times with some of the businesses that you've created along the line. Would you say you identify as a disruptor or do you think it's a byproduct of your curiosity? Yeah, I think more byproduct. And I don't think it was ever something that I labeled on like, this is going to be part of every business we start or yes. every brand. Yes. I think, yeah, I think definitely more I'm a very curious person. Yes. And I like to explore opportunities and it ends up usually being that you're disrupting a kind of more of a monopolized market a lot of times or a larger player in that space but yeah absolutely i think the latter i think um, my curiosity has led me into some really interesting Mm. places over my life and before is just the next iteration of that um you know i'm very i was very curious about toothpaste in kind of a more jokingly way in my first notes as it could be could be something one day but now it now that it's reality in here, I think we do have a, an opportunity to disrupt um, some of the larger players and pull some of the of the uh, consumers from those big players over to a product that's much better. Mm. And that's through education and branding and positioning. But I think it can be possible for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think just like bringing intention and awareness into everything we do, like a lot of people are are leaning that way but it's like these mundane like you said these kind of mundane things that we we've addressed with like skincare or the shampoo that we use and all these other kind of consumer decisions we're like yeah yeah, yeah i want to make the better one and here it's like I, I don't know anyone who's loyal to a toothpaste brand it's usually <laughs> like i'm thinking of my own experience it's like kind of whatever's on sale and like you just grab it because it's like a it's just necessity it's not something that you glamorize or you think of as like something that's good for yourself it's like something you got to do so oh, this one's on sale this time okay i'll buy it like crest colgate sentinel i mean I don't really care. I've had them all. Yeah. I'm not like a loyal crest guy or whatever, yeah, yeah. right? And, and I don't know. Maybe there are some people who are like, no, this is my brand. Uh, kudos to you. But <laughs> I feel like as soon as I see someone who brings intention and says, no, we want to have like clean ingredients. No, no, like we're going to go paraben free and we're going to be intentional about the packaging. It just raises my awareness as a consumer to be like oh yeah i've never thought like i've never thought about this thing that you do two plus times a day and how you know i myself could bring intention into that moment and create it as something that is like an act of self-care not just like routine or monotony or like oh yeah i gotta do this because my six month checkup is coming up soon and you know they're gonna say you need to floss more whatever but to bring that intention and awareness into our decisions and that i think that you've created a prob a, a product that allows people to question and become aware of the decisions that we always make which i think is always just the better way to live absolutely to, to ask the questions to lean into like is this the best purchase for me as a person but also for the world for the future and and yeah to to create moments where maybe they wouldn't have been before to create pause and to like slow down and become aware of like what, what it is we're doing, the choices we're making. So that's funny. It is something that you pause to do, right? Yeah. You know, we always talked about in our initial marketing language around owning that two minutes of your day. Yeah. 
um, times two, so four minutes. But um, yeah, it is it is a time where everyone gets to pause and you know maybe they brush their teeth in the shower or maybe out of the shower, but you're paused for a couple minutes doing this task where you can really allow yourself to kind of go deep into a thought or you know think about your the rest of your routine for the morning or night you know to prepare yourself and yeah so it's really interesting around that slow down effect yeah it is a break too like it's really hard to scroll instagram and like brush your teeth at the same time so it's kind of like an imposed uh someone was talking about how like there was this i think it was dax shepherd of where ideas come from like did your idea come while you're in the shower or somewhere else and like yep. Like eighty percent of business yep. ideas like started in the shower, and that could have been brushing your teeth or whatever in the shower. But it's like that. I believe it's because it's imposed time to to have free thought, creative thought, where we're not distracted by, you know, the rest of the world. Um, so you know, our toothbrush practice can be part of that. One question I have for you before we we start to wrap things up here. Um, before is a, a self-care brand. What do your, you know, we talked a lot about your businesses, but what do your self-care routines look like for yourself? How do you take, how does Steve take care of Steve? Yeah, Steve likes to take care of Steve for sure. I like hmm. to set myself up for, um, to be my most optimized self for sure. Um, for me, just right off the bat, sleep is, my, my dad when we were young, he always say sleep is a weapon. Um, I like to make sure I get like really deep, good sleep. Um, I function so much better on it. So I think sleep is definitely up there. I love the idea of movement in the morning. Um, whatever, in whatever shape that is, um, forward movement. So I think walking is like a super important part of people's day and like getting up and, and that movement forward and that like time to like not be on Instagram, maybe mm-hmm. listen to a podcast or just, you know, listen to the world around you and walk. I think that forward momentum is really big for me. I'm a, I'm a huge walk and talker. I actually back, like when we would build, when we were building our first businesses, I used to do interview walks. So people would come for an interview and somebody would greet them to be like, oh yeah, you're interviewing with Steve. I'll just wait here. Don't sit down. Cause you're probably going to go for a little walk. And I used to walk the block with people. And I think it's like to get people moving, I think is like the best way to get that those creative juices flowing. And there's so so much data and interesting um, theory around this. So that's a big one um, for me, like what goes in my body and the fuel around that. I think my fiance and I are like, you know, super interested in what we eat and, you know, just everything that we consume so removing anything bad we can to a certain degree um everything in moderation but i start my day with um smoothies juices anything clean that i can get into it um so eating is a big part of it and supplements fitness i'm a sports junkie still yeah love sports um yoga and like any sort of meditative practice um i've got a little cabin on galliano which i think you guys both know so i think you know getting outside and getting like get it slowing down and letting your mind relax a little bit and then opening it back up with like oxygen and and cold water and just you know making sure that your mind is like 
constantly rejuvenated. Mm. Um, that's a big part of it for me. Man, I can go on and on here. But yeah. yeah, what does slowing down look like? Slowing down for me is definitely like um, putting the phone down, getting my hands into the dirt. Like if I'm going over to the cabin, it's, you know, putting my hands into the garden and like doing some gardening and like just, you know, getting reconnected back to earth, I think is a big part. During COVID, actually, um, Dre and I lived over on Galliano for basically like a year and a half. That's where I was building before from. And I built this huge garden and I was just like getting my hands in the dirt every day and that connectiveness mm. to back to the earth. And again, there's so many studies around like, you know, literally physically putting your hands into some dirt and gardening has huge health benefits to just preparing yourself for whatever's in front of you. And also just giving you little bits of, of this and that here and there and absorbing it into your skin. And anyway, that that is like, a beautiful slowdown for me um getting some cold water and the cold the hot um that whole practice the, the sauna with the cold plunge yeah is definitely Ooh, up there it's nice it's so good yeah and then we were talking about baja before yeah i yeah. think you know we've been spending a little bit of time and just working remote from from baja in mexico and it's such a beautiful place because everything naturally slows down there um there isn't a lot of talk around this like fast-paced environment everybody kind of slows down and you're surrounded by farming and you know people just living lives in a very balanced way um you know surfing and prioritizing themselves and their health and so it's a really like fascinating culture to be around um both the locals and the expats down there like just just it's yeah it's a really nice place to go and slow down and slow your mind down mm -hmm. and i think by doing that it just opens up the ability to create and to have like fresh thoughts so everybody has to slow down a little bit yeah this fast-paced world that we're in yeah and that's i mean it's great right like because the opportunity to 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 go away somewhere might not be within everyone's realm at this point in in their life but like the simple practices of like waking up in the morning and going for a walk yes and just like or, or doing some sort of movement or just being really thoughtful and intentional about like how you're going to start your day. Like maybe not coffee right away, like maybe water or juice or a smoothie and like let your body wake up. And, and so it's so, there are so many things that we can do to invest in our, in our daily wellness um, <laughs> before we, before yes. we start our day. Right. Same and name. yeah, <laughs> no, but I, I mean, I love that. Cause it's, you know, sometimes it's like, Oh, I, I want to save up and go on this yoga retreat and that's going to like fix everything. And I mean, it, it's going to be amazing. No doubt. Right. Go to Mexico or Costa Rica, where you're going to go and have this incredible experience. But then you come back to the rat race and then you live for like the next retreat or next escape, but to build it into your day and say, no, let's, let's use this practice of slow down like here and now in the midst of it. And of course, if you can, whenever you can escape to, you know, the islands or Mexico or wherever it might be to have that kind of deeper immersive experience yes. of it. But we can create that, that in, in everyday moments by taking, by taking pause, being intentional and just, uh, yeah, slowing down. I love it. I think it's a timely message for, for our, our current moment, our current culture. Yeah, for sure. And again, one of the reasons why we produced this magazine was just to allow people to slow down mm -hmm. and, um, 
and yeah, the the whole premise of of this piece is just just really to give people a moment to to touch something again and sit with it and absorb it and and read it and you know just break away from uh, from their life for a quick moment. And I love print material for that. I'm so yeah. big fan of of in print. So so, the, so this is self other that Steve's talking about. It's a culture publication by before. It's got you know, beautiful articles and photography on, on art and self-care and, and travel and, uh, you know, entrepreneurship. It's very cool. Um, yeah. Okay, I've got a couple questions as we close up. Um, you know, we've got a closing question that we ask everyone, but one question before that. Uh, for those listening that want to maybe jump into their own entrepreneurial path or are looking for that first step, um, where do you get your inspiration from? Are there any any books that have inspired you along the way or podcasts or like how do you what is your ecosystem of inspiration what does that look like yeah it's a little bit of all of those for yeah. sure um you know i'm still obsessed with like old school books like the art of the deal and just um just yeah immerse yourself into all of the above reading podcasts you know, there's a million podcasts out there um shane Parrish knowledge project um, the podcast we're on right now, a little more good, <laughs> dig into it. Um, there's lots of them. I think for me as well, um, just to, to revert back to, I think it's building your community as well. I think is, you know, and a lot of people do that in many different ways. There's EO forums, there's, you know, structured and unstructured ways. There's lots of events you can go to, um, community building. I think just get out there and be curious and be inquisitive um you know be humble ask questions learn fall down get back up but i think surrounding yourself with a beautiful community that's there to support you and you do that by connecting with them and being inquisitive about what they're up to and what challenges they're going through and i think yeah for me it was it was really like building those those communities through action sport and sports originally and then into hospitality and now kind of moving into this whole new world of wellness which has created a ton of new conversations and and connections for me i think is is a super powerful tool for people to be inspired and get inspired Mm -hmm. um just hearing from other people what their journey's been like um so i think yeah never underestimate that like put yourself out there like you can you can sit in a dark room and listen to a million podcasts and read a thousand books, but you really need to get out and like get out into the world and and talk to people and and experience that for firsthand. So I think that one's that one's probably number one on my list. Cool. Yeah. Take some action. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you talked about being like someone who's a, a kind of a sunny optimist and sees, you know, obviously you have incredible vision and hope and ideas of like what could become. Um, but the, the flip side of that is like there's always challenges as we've talked about before. Yeah. There's always days where it's like, oh my gosh, like this again or whatever. Um, maybe two part that you can reflect on is like, how do you, how do you stay, how do you stay positive? How do you stay optimistic when like facing challenges or and or like what keeps you in it what keeps you in it on the hard days where it might be easier to just go do something else great questions i think um for me knowing that and just again it kind of goes back to our conversation around repetitive practice and the discipline around it but knowing that every time a challenge comes up really 
knowing deeply in your gut that it poses an opportunity for you to learn and adjust the business. I think, you know, classic, but you know, every entrepreneur entrepreneur hears that success and failure come hand in hand and failures are often the biggest learning the biggest learning points and often propel them into pivot their business or into change that um, brings them success. And I think, you know, it's one thing to hear that and it's another thing to walk through it. And I think just being through it so many times over so many years, I just know in my gut whenever a challenge comes up, I'm like, I will find a way around this. Um, I'll go over the wall, through the wall, (laughs) under the wall. Like whatever it takes, I'm going to get through it and I'm going to learn so much from that and it's going to positively affect my business. And I think it's because I've been through a lot of those challenges that I know that that's likely the outcome. Right. So I thrive in it, actually. I'm a big problem solver with all of our businesses. So um, I tend to like really thrive on those opportunities and I know that even within before we've posed, there's been a lot of challenges even in the last three years to get to this point and get to market. Now that we're in market, there's a whole nother set of challenges now in like understanding D to C and, and sales and sales channels and how the world is kind of changing. And, and but I'm drawing on 20 years of experience in, okay, well, I've kind of walked this walk before. Let's try that out. Let's try this out, you know, doing a lot of A-B testing. So I think your second part to that question was why not um, or how do I kind of move forward instead of just pausing or getting overwhelmed? And there's lots of days where I'm definitely very overwhelmed. And I think it's just the excitement of of what's past that challenge that just keeps me pushing forward. Nice. That's great. That's, I mean... As someone who who isn't, you know, I'm entrepreneurial, but I haven't never like started my own business. I mean, I just until seeing that now. until now, <laughs> yeah, seeing seeing it through the filter of just uh, not only entrepreneurship but just everyday life, like that's just so deeply inspirational, you know, to draw on and say the challenges is the opportunity, and to just like see, you know, almost like. Um, what's on the other side and know that it's worth it. It's worth pursuing it through that. So thank you guys. Yeah, it's really, really uh, inspirational. I love Great. it. Great. Yeah. So what business are you starting? I don't know. Let's talk. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get you going. Action. Right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Dieter. I think, uh, you know, I think we can go down a few more paths, but I think uh, this is kind of at a beautiful space to, to park this conversation and, and save round two for maybe a sunny patio in the Baja or, yes. you know, a nice patio in Galliano or, or back here in the sunny old Steeston. That's right. <laughs> um, we have a closing question that we ask all of our, all of our guests. Fire away. All right, Dean, you want to bring us Sure, we'll, we'll load it in. Yeah, so uh, Zach and I started this podcast as an entrepreneurial pursuit. No, just we wanted to create uh, create something in the world where we got to have um, conversations with really interesting and inspirational people like yourself, Stephen. Um, we called it a little more good, knowing like that's kind of what we wanted to see and do and be about in the world as two people. And so we love to know from our guests, like what does that phrase, a little more good, mean to you? Okay, a little more good. I think that people need to, in a very simple sense, be kinder and smile a little bit more. 
I think kindness is super underrated this day and age. And I think you can do good in many parts of your life, but being kind to people around you, being kind to the products you interact with, being kind in the thoughtfulness of what you're going to do next with your life is huge. So I would say kindness. There we go. I love it. We can all use a little more kindness. Pass it on. Pass it on. Pass some kindness to the strangers that you walk by. That's right. Pass it on to the person you see in the mirror when you're looking at yourself. Yes, absolutely. We can all be a little more kind. Thank you, Steve. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for the products you create. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you, my friend. Yeah. There you have it, friends. Steve Thorpe, before self-care, his journey into business, uh, the practices, the evolution of a modern entrepreneur. Yeah, and just like the story of, of creating something, you know, in a market where you might not see uh, room or opportunity and yet recognizing, no, there's always innovation. There's always a better way to do something. And, and so my hat is off to Steve and the branding, the name, everything behind it as we dove into on the pod is just so great, let alone the product itself and then the afterlife of the packaging. So thank you uh, for tuning in. Thank you for following along. Be sure to check out before uh, do we got the code there again? We throw it in here at the end. Um, well, Zach pulls it up. Be sure to uh, send this podcast to a friend, someone who's maybe an entrepreneur or looking at creating something. You know, we all have these great ideas and we can often feel like, ah, I don't know, it's a saturated market. But Steve could be a source of ins- inspiration. So send this to your entrepreneur friends. Just copy the link wherever you listen to it. Text it to them, Instagram it to them. And while you're at it, check out before and pick up something from their website. Yeah, use the promo code before ALMG. That's capital B E F O R E capital A L M G. We'll throw that in the show notes for all of you. Perfect. You can get yourself some some nice some nice toothpaste to go along with your podcasts. Yes. All right. Be good, my friends. Peace. <laughs>